Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, <clears throat> next week is uh, the first Sunday of Advent. And so what that means is that in the church calendar, this Sunday is Christ the King Sunday. It's the last Sunday of the church year. Uh, in some way, of course, we acknowledge that Jesus is the King every time uh, that we worship together. But this morning, uh, the church takes a moment to, to pray and sing and say it very clearly. Jesus is king, and he rules for the life of the world. So I'm going to read uh, Psalm 93 for us. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. Mightier than the thunders of many waters. Mightier than the waves of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. This is God's word, and it's given for our good. Let me pray for us. Father, we ask that you would um, meet us now um, as we think about this word that we've just read together as we talk about it for a few moments, that you would meet us in the places where we find ourselves, those of us uh, who have faith and those of us who don't and those of us who aren't sure those of us who uh, feel ready to hear from you, those of us who don't. Um, Father, meet all of us and show us your gracious rule for us in Jesus. Use this word to show us that word, the one who is ascended and seated and ruling at your right hand. Change us by his grace. And we pray it in his name. Amen. Well, 2020 uh, has been quite a year. Uh, just saying that uh, sounds already uh, like a little bit of a cliche, but I think it is uh, important. I think it helps to acknowledge it. None of us, I'm sure, would have guessed at this time last year, you know, heading into Advent, heading into the Christmas season, all that has unfolded in the last 12 months. I mean, there's been uh, good things uh, that have happened for sure, and also a lot of bad things that have happened, um, but all of it has uh, been sometimes difficult to process and difficult to live through. And of course, one of the ways that human beings uh, respond to things like that is through humor. I'm, I'm guessing that uh, at least some of you have seen those uh, If 2020 Was memes that are popping up all over and in social media. Um, if, you, if you haven't ever seen any of those uh, later on, not now, later on, just Google that phrase, do an image search on if 2020 was. Um, there's a certain uh, catharsis to what you'll see if you do that. Um, one of my favorites is the one that reads, uh, if 2020 was a scented candle. And the image that goes with it is a row of porta potties blazing on fire. <laughs> I, 
I think one of the most uh, difficult and challenging things about living through this year um, has been feeling the uncertainty of it. And sometimes even just what feels like to us the chaos of it. You know, what, what is safe and what isn't safe? Um, what plans uh, can I make and what plans need to be canceled? Should I see uh, my family and my friends or not? Uh, will, will there be lasting change after this upheaval or will it just be a blip on the screen? If I need help, where can I go? Is this the way that it's going to be? And if not, how long is it going to be this way? Who's actually in charge here? And who can I trust? You know, there's been times over the last uh, year where the answers to those questions have not seemed entirely obvious. So it's good for people like us in places like this to hear the opening words of Psalm 93 again. The Lord reigns. God is king. And you know, that's, that's, not, a, that's not a question <laughs> that the psalm writer is asking. It is a decisive statement. It's a statement for those who may find themselves wavering in their resolve and weakened in it. It's a statement for those who might be afraid or confused or anxious or unsettled. It's even a statement for those who might be inclined to disagree. I mean, to all of us, the psalm writer wants to uh, make it very clear. And I think that it is good for us to take a moment and just to let it settle in over us. God is king. I mean, usually <clears throat> rulers look like we expect rulers to look. Uh, when the psalm was written, kings wore ornamental robes. They carried things like scepters and uh, battle swords. Those were the trappings of kingship when this psalm was written. Of course, things have changed. Uh, things look different now. We talk about white houses or downing streets or access uh, to the nuclear codes or security details and fleets of vehicles. Those are the trappings of a modern ruler. But in contrast to all of that, the psalm uses imagery that refers to the kingship of God uh, apart from all of those kinds of things. The psalm says his robe is his majesty, and his belt, it's simply his strength. He needs no trappings. He is not like any other kind of ruler or any other kind of king. And I think this is really important. It's really important for people like us to think about this and, and to consider this um, because it's one thing to say that God is king. It's another thing altogether to ask ourselves, what kind of king is he? I mean, here's the truth. If we are here and we live in the city, we have a mayor. That, that's a fact. We have a mayor. But you know, and I know, that the shape of our civic life, that the course of our civic life is affected greatly by what kind of mayor we have. 
So more than we wonder about any mayor, any president, any prime minister, we should wonder, what is God like as a king? And the church has always answered that God is a king for the life of the world. God is a king whose intention is our good and our flourishing forever. And that's what the psalm writer is saying in the song. It comes out in the beautiful way that Hebrew poetry often works, where a, a statement gets made and then uh, it's explained what, why, what that statement means or why that statement is true. That's how it works here at the end of verse 1. The psalm writer sings, yes, the world is established and it'll never be moved, which is a great thing to know. (laughs) Um, But it would be even better to know why that's true. And then it comes in the next line, that the world is established and it'll never be moved because your throne is established from old. You are from everlasting. Here's what's happening here. The, the, the psalm is alluding to creation. And it's saying, essentially, this place is God's place. The world belongs to him. He formed it and he made it before uh, it was, he was. And when God made this place, he said that it was good. And when God made us, he said it was very good. And yeah, we have done lots. We've done almost everything in our power uh, to mess this up. We've done wrong to ourselves. We've done wrong to others. But his relentless, gracious, strong kingship from that moment of the fall until now has been to return us and to return the whole created order to the good that he spoke over us in the beginning. That's how God is a king. His relentless, gracious, strong kingship has been to return us and to return the whole broken world to the good that he spoke over us in the beginning. And you know what? Here's the secret. Here's the secret that the psalm writer could have never known, couldn't have possibly ever have dreamed. This is a song that is really about Jesus. I mean, that's what our New Testament lesson said. Paul talked about creation there, the Apostle Paul. And when he talked about creation, he also told his friends at the church in Colossae and the whole church forever that all things were created by and through Jesus. And all things were created for Jesus. And in the end, it is Jesus who will reconcile all things back to the Father. It is through Jesus' relentless, gracious, strong kingship that this happens. Through his cross, through his resurrection, through his ascension, through his present rule over us. His gracious, strong powerful kingship will redeem us and the whole broken world back to the Father. So church, no matter what happens to us and no matter what happens around us, that is the true story of the world. And 2020 can do nothing to change it. Nothing 
will change that true story. And that's really good news. It is the kind of good news that people like us have been called to order our whole lives around. And I have to say, you know, the psalm writer doesn't write these things uh, to make less of the chaos and and the trouble. The psalm writer doesn't uh, try to pretend that those things aren't there. You know, in the ancient world, the sea, uh, the sea was the preeminent image for chaos and for trouble. And, you know, it makes sense. I mean, I know, uh, I know personally that there are huge ships that can make an easy way through great waters. I know that that's true, but still sometimes when I look at the icy churning waves on Lake Michigan, I feel small. And the thought of being out in that churn makes me terrified. And so in verses 3 and 4, where the psalmist writes like waves, he says, the floods have lifted up. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods have lifted up their roaring. The poetry there is trying to capture that sense of incessant waves crashing again and again. It's real. It's real. This is not some kind of pie-in-the-sky denial of trouble or suffering. It's not an end around from facing trouble or suffering. I mean, you know as well as I do that there are all kinds of escapisms on offer in our world. All kinds of things that can make us turn away from trouble and suffering. You know, distractions are all around us, substances that we can use or abuse, certain ways of being, certain ways of thinking. But you know as well as I do that in the end we wake up and we realize that those things are about as satisfying and they taste about as good as like sugar-free jello. Our faith does not offer us anything that weak. What it offers is a king who is mightier than the waves of the sea. What it offers is a king who is mightier than the thunders of many waters. What our faith offers us is a king who at great cost to himself entered into the chaos of those waves and struck out a path through them so that you and I could walk back on dry ground to the good that he first spoke over us. That is how Jesus is our king, for our good and for the life of the world. (laughs) And we subject ourselves to his kingship through repentance and faith, and that's how we walk every day under his kingship, through repentance and faith. And when people like us do that, when we live in that rhythm of repentance and faith, we find, as the psalm says, that he can be trusted. That he is trustworthy. That he is a good king. And so today we join with the myriads of myriads and with the thousands of thousands who say with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain. To him who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and power forever. Amen. Let me pray for us.
Father, we ask that uh, you would help us in wherever we, we find ourselves, in whatever state of weakness or strength or faith or not faith, that you would help us to see and to believe. To see your rule and to see it as gracious and beautiful and strong. To see your rule through Jesus for us as one that is for our good and one that is for our flourishing, one that is for the reclamation of this whole broken world. Help us to see it, help us to believe it, help us to live under that beautiful rule and reign every day. Father, do that so that through us we can love for the life of the world as you have loved for the life of the world. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, Christ the King. Amen.